It's uh, great to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name's Dean, one of the pastors here, part of the team at True North. And great, great to be with you this morning. Uh, how, however you end up getting here, if you're usually here, if you're new here, great to be with you. We are starting a new series today, and it's called Fearless. And this is a series we're going to be exploring over the next kind of four or five weeks, exploring what does it look like to live a fearless life. Do you know the most repeated command in all of the scriptures is do not be afraid or do not fear. All throughout the scriptures, written over, you know, thousands of years, these things, different people from the Old Testament to the New, all these places over and over again, the most repeated command that God speaks uh, to people is do not be afraid. Fear not. Some variation of that very thing. And this series is going to be, what do we do with that? Because there's nothing more common to the human experience than to feel afraid or to feel fear at times. And so what do we do with why God is always saying, so fear not, don't be afraid. I love what Donald Miller, he's a writer, has to say about this. He writes about this idea. He says, you know, the most often repeated commandments, do not fear. It's in there over 200 times. That means a couple of things, if you think about it. It means we are going to be afraid. Isn't that good? So if you're here and you're like, oh, fearless series, I feel so fearful, don't worry. That is common to humanity to feel and experience fear. The question is, what do we do with it? And I love what he says. It means we shouldn't let fear boss us around. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't want you bossing me around either. And uh, just let them know. I don't want you. I don't want fear. And I don't want you either. <laughs> and I love what he says. He says, before I realized that we were supposed to fight fear, this is what we're supposed to do with it. We're supposed to fight fear. He says, I used to think it was like a subtle suggestion in our subconscious designed to keep us safe or more important to keep us from getting humiliated. He says, I guess it does serve that purpose. That's the reality. There is a purpose it serves. But fear isn't only a guide to keep us safe. It's also a manipulative emotion that can trick us into living a boring life. And I would say as well, not only a boring, but it's just fear has a way of just kind of you know, what fear does is it says this far, no further. What fear does is it kind of says, don't you come here because something, you know, and fear has a way of not only sometimes calling us to live a boring life, it has a way of just robbing this abundant full life that God speaks of in the scriptures. And so we're going to explore from lots of different angles next year. Well, how do, what does it look like to live a fearless life? How do we fight fear? How do we not let it boss us around? And uh, all of us experience, uh, you know, we can give fear lots of different names at times. We can call it worry or nervousness or stress at times. Or anxiety. There's all these different ways we experience uh, fear. And, and, and then just in case there's anyone here who's like, well, fearless won't work for me because I don't have any fears to begin with. I brought some fears that you could have today. And so if you don't and you feel like I need one for, you know, kind of practical application, I've got a couple here. Because there's no shortage of fears you can have that are, you know, you, we've, we've given names and labels to. And we're even inventing new ones. Um, does anyone here have nomophobia? Does anyone, do we have any nomophobiacs? Nomophobia. Now, uh, we actually probably have more than we realize here. This is a, a new fear that's been classified, and it's the fear of having no mobile phone. Nomophobia. And so probably we got more than we realize. You might know, and here's how you can kind of know if you want to kind of self-diagnose today. If you get up to walk out and you find yourself going, 
oh, okay, good, I'm all right. Like if you go, oh, 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 good, okay, we're okay. It's in my pocket, it's in my, you know. So there's all these things. It's like, man, there's a brand new one. You couldn't even be afraid of that, you know, years ago. We got new ones. Here's also, now this one I came across as well. Uh, I think, I, I doubt we will have anyone with it because if, if you had this, I, don't, I think you would have moved away from Perth by now and you certainly probably wouldn't come here. It's ancraophobia. Ancraophobia. Anybody know what that one is? The fear of wind. The fear of wind. Now that would be rough. Now it's not to be confused with, never mind, anyway. But there's, um, I'll read one more. One more for you. Now this one I came across. I don't know. This one, Mike, on my list. I hadn't thought about it, but it could uh, be one. Uh, it's really hard to say, so I have to read it very slowly. Arachibutriophobia. Arach Arachibutriophobia. Now that one, I don't know if you, I didn't know this was a thing, but that's the fear of getting peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth. Now that, how horrible is that feeling, you know? Oh man, I mean, what, it just got stuck there and you couldn't move your tongue stuck, I don't know. But anyway, and here's the thing. So there's, there's all kinds of different ways this can kind of present from the small to the big. Um, but we, if you're gonna be a follower of Christ, we, we have these always going, do not be afraid. So how do we reconcile this with our present everyday experience and what would it look like to live a more fearless life? That's what we're going to dive into today. Jesus has uh, a, a lot to say on this himself. And so we're going to start with what Jesus has to say on this. Uh, whatever you believe about Jesus, what he has to say today about fear is really uh, something that can be transformative for all of us if we want to let it. Jesus, in the particular passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, here is uh, kind of the background. Here's what's going on. Jesus has gathered up his 12 uh, disciples. These are his crew. These are the guys he's been training. He's been developing them. He's been there. And now he's saying to them, now you're getting ready to go out and you're going to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. This was Jesus' primary message. And you're going to go proclaim it. And you're going to demonstrate it. You're going to do miraculous things to demonstrate the goodness of God in this world. All these things. And he's like, I'm about to send you out. And he gives them kind of a commissioning speech. And it's quite a long one in a sense. He's just sitting alone with them. And what he's going to tell them is, look, I want you to have a pretty good kind of grasp on what you should expect out there. And he uses some phrases for him. He tells them, it's like I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you out, and you know what? People are probably going to say nasty things about you. They're probably going to call you evil, misunderstand you, speak against you. Not only that, but there will be people who will probably call you up in front of rulers, and they may beat you because of what you are saying and doing in my name. Not only that, but there will be people who may and have the power to kill you because of what you are going to do in my name. And Jesus lets them know, this is the reality you're going into. And then he says, do not be afraid. And you can imagine his disciples are like, I'm glad you told us not to, because I was pretty certain that would have been the best response possible. It's a situation where it, if ever there was a good reason to be afraid, it feels like maybe this is that moment. If this is what you're saying is ahead for us, Jesus, in fact, many of the people he's talking to that day would ultimately go on to die for their proclaiming this message of Christ in the world. And Jesus says to him, no, no, no. All this is coming, but do not be afraid. Why? And let's look at what he has to say. He says, do not be afraid of them. Let me just say, do not be afraid. 
Let me say it like you're not afraid. Do not be afraid. There we go. That had a little more in it. It wasn't the even sound of faith. It just sounded uh, apathetic the first time. <laughs> do not be afraid. You're like, yeah, come on, man. Cut us some slack. All right, all right, I'm sorry. Um, do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak it in the daylight. What's whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the roof. Jesus starts out, he says, don't be afraid of them. Who them? Those ones we just talked about. The ones who can say that you're evil. The ones who could beat you with rods. The ones who could even possibly kill you. Those people, don't be afraid of them. He says, why? Because eventually everything's going to become clear. Everything's going to become disclosed. It's all going to become clear. So don't, don't in the midst of some challenges, don't, don't be afraid. It's all going to become clear in the end. In fact, he says, not only should you not be afraid, he says, look, what I whisper to you, I want you to shout it from a rooftop. Jesus imagines this is what it looks like to walk with me, follow me, be my disciple, be my follower, go out in the world on my behalf, spend time with me, let me teach you, speak to you, whisper things to you, but then don't hold that for yourself. Go live a bold and courageous life where you would stand on a rooftop and proclaim it. Jesus doesn't imagine his followers being a fearful crowd, afraid to kind of speak or to demonstrate you know, his love in this world, he imagines us taking the goodness he's brought into our life and sharing it freely and openly and boldly, not being afraid. Now, Jesus goes on, and this is, as he unpacks, he kind of tells them, you know, so don't be afraid of them, don't be afraid of them. And then he says this as he continues conversation. He says, in fact, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot Kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The Greek word there is Gehenna. We're going to come back to this in a moment. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, he says, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, this is a conversation. It's one cohesive unit of thought. It's Jesus beginning to walk his followers through a, a train of thought and understanding that will allow them to live a fearless and bold life. A train of thought and a foundation from which they can live in a bold and courageous way. And where even at threat of death, they will be able to go forward, not allowing that threat to keep them from, from doing what they've been called to do. Now this little passage, I love it, and I love digging into it because there's so much here, there's so much here that honestly should make us scratch our heads. I mean, one, like, you know, Jesus like, don't be afraid of those who, you know, can kill the body but can't kill the soul. You're like, Jesus, those seem like great people to be afraid of. <laughs> if they can kill my body, if they can do that, why would not be? He's like, no, no, no. But they can't touch your soul. And then Jesus said, but... Instead, be afraid of the one who could kill your body and your soul in hell. Just like, great, there's something new to be afraid of. I thought God loved me. I thought I loved him, and now am I afraid of him? Now, he is going to give them, as I said, he's going to walk them through. Here is how when you encounter fear, Jesus and Jesus is like, and you guys are going to, because he's sending them out, and it's going to be rough out there, and he's going to walk them through how do you actually engage this. You know what you see Jesus doing in this little dialogue 
is he's beginning to radically reorientate their perspective on life. Fearlessness, uh, he's not saying just don't be afraid because don't worry about it. Like just don't be afraid. Just, just go. No, no, no. He's going to help them see here's why to not be afraid. And he starts off by trying to help them rethink how much they value their body and how much they value their soul. There's these two Greek words here. The word for body in Greek is soma and the word for soul here that we're seeing is suke. Now your body, that's your physical body. You know, that's your, your physical body. And Jesus says to them, don't fear those who can kill your soma, but can't touch your suke. Your suke is your soul. It's the you that is really you. Every one of us, our bodies, they, we know that, you know, elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul writes about his, it's like a tent I'm going to take off. And this isn't to devalue our bodies, but we have to understand in this world, our bodies and our soul, our, our soul inhabits our body. We know our bodies are decaying. They are getting older. They are not always what they used to be. Like, and they will, we will put them aside. But when your body is gone, the you that is really you is not. And Jesus is going like, you're tempted, and this is where we kind of start in life. And as human beings, our instincts are always to protect our soma, to preserve our soma. That's our instinct. That's where fear comes sometimes. Like, watch out. This could hurt your soma. Jesus is trying to say there is something bigger about being a human being made in the image of God than just trying to protect your soma. Something matters more. And that's why he says, don't fear them. They can't touch. They might kill your body. They can't touch your suke, your soul. And that is what matters. In fact, he says, so if you're going to be afraid, be afraid of the one who could destroy both your body and your soul in hell, in Gehenna. Gehenna is the word that most often gets translated hell. And when Jesus teaches, Gehenna, if you don't know, was, was basically the Tamala Park of their day. Minus the nice little shop, you know, so minus the, all the organization, I believe, as well. You know, but Gehenna was this valley outside the city where they took their rubbish. It was their giant rubbish tip. And it was a place where the fires burned constantly, burning up all of the rubbish. It was a place where you would even put, if you were too poor to have a proper burial for someone you would take their body and you would have to take it to Gehenna. Gehenna was a horrible, horrible place. It was a, and, and, and so, you know, the pictures of, of hell is fire and darkness. Jesus is often drawing on this rubbish tip and he's picturing that, you know, hell and what we think of it, it's like, hell is like the cosmic rubbish tip. And where that which is no longer fit for its original purpose, that's what you find there. You know, the, the, the word Jesus uses here for, you know what, what to be concerned of is the, the one who could destroy. And that word destroy doesn't mean like it's gone, it's, it's forever gotten rid of. It's a word that means like ruin. When you destroy something and it's no longer fit for its original purpose. How many people have ever destroyed something like that? You know, when you do something and it's like it's no longer fit for what I, I got it for. Jesus is like that. If you're going to be afraid, be afraid of that. But even that is not the ultimate base of what Jesus is trying to do is to help them reorder and go, what, what is of greatest value to you? You know, I love what uh, C.S. Lewis 
uh, wrote this book. It's called The Great Divorce, and, it, and it's a book. Uh, it's a it's really fun book. I encourage you to read it if you want. It's about a group of people in hell who take a bus trip to heaven. It's just a great little story. And he's trying to picture, because we sometimes... Verses like the one we read, sometimes we use them and, and think it means Jesus says, be afraid of the one who can destroy your body and soul. And, and it can be easy to start to go, oh, so does the Bible think I should be afraid of God? I want us to just see a little bit of what I think Jesus is on about here. C.S. Lewis gives this picture. He says, here's what hell's like. Hell begins with a grumbling mood. Now, we all know people who grumble, complain a little bit. I mean, we can say because they're not here today. But, you know, if you know, people like, now, Actually, the, the bigger problem is that we all know we have it in us, isn't it? He says, hell begins with the grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you're still distinct from it. So there's kind of these things that start and we think that's no big deal. Not really worried about that, not afraid of that, whatever. It's just, yeah, I complain a little, I grumble a little. He says, you may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it. But there may come a day when you can no longer. Do you ever notice what we're like only seems to get amplified throughout our life? Like who you are and, and you meet people the further you are along in life and you, you realize like we're, we're all kind of becoming someone. And when we talk about when you get older, you get kind of set in your ways. It's like we all are becoming someone, aren't we? And he says, there may come a day when you can no longer wish you could stop it. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even enjoy it. Just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. He's talking about what if, you know, you kind of start, you grumble, you complain, but eventually you just keep on and you just start to become that grumble, that complaint. And he says, it's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it's nipped in the bud. When Jesus says, you know, don't be afraid of those who can only touch the body, but be afraid of the one who could destroy, who could that be afraid that what could be happened is that what really matters, your, your, your soul could be ruined. It's like, that's what matters. Jesus is trying to help him see, do you know what matters is who you're becoming? Are, who, who is your soul? We think there's nothing more important sometimes, and how do we preserve our physical life and the things that come along with that? And Jesus says, no, there's something that matters so much more than that. It's your soul. It's who you are. And, and he's not saying this to say you should be afraid of God. He's actually just trying to make a point about what really matters. You know, it can be too easy to think that, that some of the things that become a part of our character and who we are to, to think they're just little things. But Jesus like, those things matter. Who you're becoming matters. Your soul matters. And Jesus like, don't. The worst thing that can happen is that you are no longer fit for purposes. No longer fit to be who you were called to be, which was someone made in the image of God to display his love and glory and goodness. That's who we're created to be. So Jesus says, look, don't be afraid of them. All they can do is hurt your body. And I know you're tempted to think, well, what could be worse than that? He's like, the thing that matters most is your soul. It's who you are. It's who you're becoming and who you're going to be for all eternity. Jesus says, that's what matters. And so he says, don't you know this? Don't you know this? And this is how you know he's not trying to say you should just be afraid of God because he's out to get you and he'll just punish you. That's not what he's on about here. He's trying to make a point and he's saying, don't be afraid. Be a, this, is, this is what matters most. And he says, and don't you know this? He says, you are worth more than many sparrows. You know, I hope when you woke up this morning, you weren't wondering whether you were worth more than many sparrows. 
I, I hope you weren't kind of, you know, uh, spare, you know, what is Jesus trying to get at? He's trying to help them see the incredible value God has for them. And, and what's with, you know, the sparrows, you know how worthless the sparrows were? He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Do you know why he had to sell two for a penny? Because one was so worthless, it wasn't even worth a penny. And so it was like, we, well, if you got a penny, we got to give you two of these. They're just worthless. You know, in, in Luke has the same passage, and Jesus says, are not uh, five sparrows sold for two pennies? They're just not worth that much. And it's kind of helpful to remember that as well because if you can get two for sparrows for one penny or five for two pennies, then you should probably get the five for two pennies. Anyway, it's just clearly a deal. As I understand, they ran it about once a year, a sparrow sale, and, and then you got the five for the two pennies and, and I think like a soft serve ice cream cone as well. But it's like they called it the, um, the sparrow stunner deal or something like that. Anyway, that... Is really big thing. The point, though, <laughs> Jesus wants them to get, look, this stuff, these, these sparrows, like you think they're not worth anything. Like they're, they're so worthless, we can't even sell one for, a, for something. You got to get more than one just to sell it for the smallest unit of money you could. They're worthless. And, God, and Jesus says, don't you get this? But not one of those things you deem worthless will even fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father caring and knowing. And, and so you just need to know, if that's how God feels about that which is worth nothing in your eyes, how do you think he feels about you? You know, we shouldn't be afraid of God. No, no, no. Do you understand how much God loves you, values you, Jesus said. He said even the hairs on your head are numbered. Do you know hairs are like, hairs like, it's like a bonus feature in life, right? We don't, like we don't need it. We can live without it. It's great if you got it, but you know what? This is almost like Jesus saying, even the things that don't really matter, that are not essential for life, the things that are nothing more than decoration, God has numbered even those. And he, and he, and he cares. You know, the, the, the picture here that, that I want you to get, this, okay, you want to live a fearless life? You want to not allow fear to kind of stop? This is the conversation Jesus takes us to. He says, look, you've just got to understand, this is what it looks like. He's like, you're going to go into life and you can be afraid of what could come against you. Jesus is like, I know you'll be tempted to fear them and to fear what they could do to you. He's like, no, 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 don't worry about that. Sure, they could kill your body. That's not what matters. What matters more is who you are and who you're becoming. And guess what? God is so interested in who you are and in who you're becoming. He's numbered the very hairs on your head. And if God is that for you and if God loves you and values you that much, why would you be afraid of anything? That's Jesus' message. How do you be fearless? Here's the challenge. Sometimes we think to be fearless, well, you just kind of, some people are born that way or, or try to be. No, no, no. True fearless comes from embracing Jesus' perspective on life which looks at what really matters. And do you understand that you really matter? And it's like Jesus going, you know, and you might have people who say nasty things against you and do nasty things against you, but no matter what comes against you, even if they take your life, know this, God is for you. He values you down to every hair on your head. Know that. That. And this conversation, you know, is what allows us to be able to move forward in fearlessness.
understand, fear will come. But what do we believe matters? What are we moving towards? You know, in their case, it would have been easy to, you know, to kind of allow the fear of what could happen to have stopped them right where they are and said, this far, no further. But Jesus walks them through to understand something else. You are so valued in God's eyes. Do you know, fearlessness comes from, from beginning to understand, you know, we live in a world that's big on self-esteem. And, you know, just tell yourself you're good enough and you're smart enough and doggone it, people like you, you know. And I say that to myself every morning. And I'm um, just kidding, I don't. And that was from Saturday Night Live, mid-90s. Anyway, it was really funny. But... We live in a world that is always kind of, and self-esteem is not bad. We should value ourselves. But our value is not built on what we think of ourselves. Jesus imagines us to begin with God esteem. How does God feel about you? How does he value you? That's, that's how we learn to deal with fear. You know, there's this great parable. You may have heard this once. It's kind of a leadership parable. And there's a, a pirate ship and they've, there's a captain. They've got, the, you know, treasure they're always seeking and they've, left the island, and now they're sailing across the high seas. It's a day or two later, and lookout comes to the captain and says, Captain, there's a, you know, an enemy ship is coming towards us, and they're going to, they want to engage us in battle. And, you know, the, the cannons are pointed at us, all those things. What should we do? And uh, they're preparing to board. And the captain says, go get me my red shirt. Bring me my red shirt. And the captain leads them into battle, and he fights bravely and courageously and fearlessly, and, and they win the battle. And so they go back, and a few more days go by, and they're sailing and sailing, and, and the lookout comes and goes, Captain, there's two ships approaching, and they're going to battle. What should we do? And he says, bring me my red shirt. Same thing happens. He fights. They win bravely, all those things. Lookout comes to him and says, Captain, I have to know, you know, what is the secret of the red shirt? Why do you always want this red shirt? And he says, well, the reason I wear it is so that when we fight, no one can see me bleed. And I know then our men will take courage and they'll fight. And, and so I wear it so no one will see me bleed. Now a few more days go by and they're sailing the high seas. And one day comes and now this time there's 10 ships and they're surrounded. And look out comes. There's 10 ships. What should I do? Should I bring you your red shirt? And the captain says, no, bring me my brown pants. And that, and that is a modern parable for how we approach what it looks like to be fearless. Because we live in a world that just says, you want to be fearless or be brave? Just, you know, just dress it up. Don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you bleed. Just pretend like nothing's happening. And, and here's the thing, we, to be fearless, and I just don't want you to miss this today, we don't become fearless by just trying harder. We don't become fearless by just dressing it up and acting like there's nothing to be afraid of. We don't become fearless by just sticking a red shirt over it. Jesus walks them through an entire series of things they need to begin to understand and embrace in the depths of their soul. That they have to begin to understand, what are you actually afraid of? And Jesus names it for them. You're gonna, you know why you'll be tempted to be afraid? Because people are going to say nasty things about you. They're going to say you're evil. You're trying to do the right thing, and they're going to say you're evil. And Jesus just names it. He says, don't be afraid of that. He names it, and he says, There's gonna, the rulers, they could drag you in front of other people, and they can beat you and flog you. Don't just try to 
Don't just try to be tough. Don't just think, well, I'll wear the red shirt. No, no, no. This is genuine. This is real. But no matter what they do to you, he's reorienting their minds and hearts to go, we will not be afraid, not because we're going to try to just be brave, but because we understand this. There are things that matter more to us than just our soma. What would be worse than all these things happening? Becoming unfit for God's purpose in my life. Becoming ruined and no longer able to be that which God called me to be. That would be far worse. Jesus walks them to that place. And he helps them know, and no matter what comes against you, do you know this? This is what God thinks of you. He values you more than anything. He, even the very numbers you had, can you believe that? Can you let that sink down? Can that be the core you live from? You don't have to try and just fake it till you make it. Can you live that until now? From that place of knowing I am loved by God, I am valued by him, you can stand and look fear in the face and say, I will not be afraid because I know he is for me. And if he is for me, nothing can be against me. Do you know that one of the uh, most common fears on the kind of fear list is, is always the fear of public speaking? Jerry Seinfeld used to have this joke about it. He would say, you know, number one on, on most research, the most common fears is the fear of public speaking. And the number two thing on, on a lot of research is the fear of death. And so he always said, you know, what that means is that for the average person, if they're at a funeral, they'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. You know, it's like, and that seems a little backwards, you know, but there's all these things we can fear. And, and, but I always, I always hear that joke and I kind of resonate with it because I have to get up and talk in front of people a lot. And, and there's literally, it's such a common fear because I don't think that it's not a fear that ever goes away either. But I can remember when I first started having to do this on a regular basis and, and speak and preach. And then you're going to teach about God's word and, and, oh, and don't get anything wrong. And then, you know, and you never know what, what are people thinking and what will they think? Or will they think I have anything good to say? Or will they be like, that was terrible? Or why are you even up there? There's all these fears that go through my mind. When I first had to start doing it, I just, every Sunday I would feel that same sense of like, man, I'd rather be anywhere than doing this. Like, why do I have to go do this? Well, this is like part of your job. Why did I, how did I end up here? <laughs> is there something else, Lord, that I could do? It's not, and, and what I found, and this is what I see happen here, and I, and I want to give you this, is that our goal of this series, not that you figure out just how to be fearless, as though that just kind of happens, now you're a fearless person, but what I see happen with Jesus and the disciples is that you watch him take them through a conversation to be able to get to the place where they've unpacked the fears, understood this is what there is, but yet choosing in the face of that, here's what I will value most, and here's what I believe God thinks of me. And, and I've got this series of questions, we'll put it up, and here's my encouragement too. You wanna be a little bit more fearless, or this week you have something, you won't be afraid of public speaking, I'm, I'm sure, or things like that, but you know a fear, and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm afraid, but it's just kind of, you know, those things that make you kind of in your gut go, oh, I'm not sure, that doesn't feel good, I'm not looking for that, I'm not, you know. When you're feeling those things, instead of just going, right, I'm supposed to just be brave, I should just try harder, here's the process I see Jesus take his followers through. And it starts with this, kind of going, what am I afraid of? You know, I had to, to work through my own fears. I asked, well, what am I actually afraid of? Why does it make me feel, what am I afraid, afraid of what people think of me, afraid of, I'm not to say I'm afraid of, you know, it, all these things, what am I afraid, you know, you actually have to do this. I encourage you to sit, to journal it, to write it. What am I afraid of? 
Don't just try and keep going forward. Why am I afraid of this? Why am I actually afraid of this thing that's causing me to feel like this? What's at stake? What do I think I will lose? You know, whenever there's fear, it's because we're afraid of losing something that matters. Why Jesus have to say to him, look, this matters more than your body because the natural fear is, I don't want to lose my, my soma. I don't want to lose my life. We have to sometimes name those things, go, this is what I'm afraid of. And unpack it and allow Jesus to start to say, you know, what is really of ultimate value to you? You know, in my case, you know, do you, is, is what, what matters to you, what, whether people think you had something good to say or not, or is it something else, who you're becoming, what I think of you, what do you really, what matters to you? And then to ultimately be able to answer the question, and what do I believe God thinks of me? You know what, actually, if he is for me, if he values me, then guess what? It doesn't matter so much what someone else thinks of me because I'm no longer trying to get my value over there. My value is settled in God. And if we actually have our value settled as a human being to know no matter what, I am worth more to him than infinite sparrows. Even the hairs of my head are numbered. My goodness, if I am valued by God and if he's what matters most, then I guess I can go fearlessly into the future instead of letting that fear say this far, no further. And, and I want to encourage you this week, you may have one moment where you're one thing or one something. Instead of just trying to go, I'm going to be brave or fake it till I make it, learn the process of sitting with God like the disciples did that day with Jesus and of unpacking what's there and why is it there and what do I really value and what do I think God really thinks of me. And when you can work your way, not throwing a red shirt over it all, but when you can work your way through the reality of what's in your heart and soul and get to the place where you go, I know nothing matters more to me and God and who he says I am and he says I am valued, I'm going to live from that place. And it's not something you just do once and it's done. You engage it over and over and over again. Over and over. But every time, learning to walk through that process. You know, I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to wrap up in just a moment here. But I want to pray, and, and I want to pray especially uh, that I want to pray especially for people. That, the thing I love, one of the songs we sang today was You Make Me Brave. And I love the words of that song because it's not be brave. That song is all about help me to know your love in my life. And out of that, I find courage. And I want to pray for anyone especially who wants to know that deeper sense of God's love and value in your life. And I want to pray especially as well if you know, you know what, I need to engage him in some of these things. I've been living with this kind of low level or just kind of it's there and I know there's something there. But I need to really unpack this with God, what's going on. I want to pray that, you know, you'd, you'd be able to have some of those moments where you experience him walking through what's going on, what's happening here. So that you can get to the place of actually, no, now I can live from here. I can live from a place of peace. I can live from a, I know what matters most and I know that I matter to him. I'd love to pray for you. You can just stand where you are. And if you want to, I guess, just be a part of this, receive it, you can just open your hands right in front of you. I'd love to just pray. I've experienced the freedom in my own life of what it is to walk with God through 
lots of different fears and something that goes over and over, but every time when you can get to that place, there's something that grows in you. I'd love to pray it for you. Lord, I just thank you that in this world, you have not left us on our own, but you are with us. You are present to us. You've left us your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And Lord, for every person who is battling fear at some level and engaging that with you, I want to pray that God, your Holy Spirit, would pour love into their life, would pour a deep knowledge of their immense value and worth in your eyes into their life. I pray that there would be a process that can happen of revaluing the things that you value, getting in step with you and your plans and your dreams and what you see. I pray that, Lord, as they find spaces and times to sit with you, that, Lord, there would be a, an increased capacity to hear the whisperings of your Holy Spirit, pointing out those false fears that can seem so big. And that in their place, Lord, you'd lead them to a place of deep trust in you. Pray you'd help them to unpack what's there, to be able to name it and see it, to be able to leave it behind, to be filled instead with your immense love and value of them. God, I pray that each one of us could know that kind of fearlessness in our lives. We would be able to live out this incredible command, Lord, that's truly an invitation to not be afraid. God, make us more and more the people you desire us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen.